For more than 40 years, Dr. David Jeremiah has faithfully preached God's Word. And as the world changes, how the message is delivered expands. Turning Point Plus was created as the next step in our digital broadcast ministry. And it's available instantly when you sign up to support Turning Point with an automatic monthly gift of any amount. Learn more and access more than 12,000 audio and video messages at turningpointplus.org. You can't fully understand it or even imagine it, but you can see it, feel it, and put your trust in it. The power of God is today's focus on Turning Point, as Dr. David Jeremiah considers how it's described in Scripture. If you've ever wondered if there's anything God can't do or how His power benefits His children, stay tuned for the answers as David introduces today's message, Knowing a Powerful God. And thank you for joining us. We're happy to have you today. By the way, did you know that Turning Point has a magazine that is available to all of our listeners? It's Turning Point's magazine and devotional. It is produced once a month, and it can be sent to your home. Uh, It's beautifully designed. Or you can have the devotional content of the magazine downloaded so that you can pick it up every day from your computer. And uh, many people do that. I forget now what the number is, but hundreds of thousands of people uh, take this devotional content every day right off the Internet, right off the computer. And whether we know it or not, we're kind of in unity, studying the Bible, reading that devotional content every day. And it follows you wherever you go. If you've got a phone, it's available to you. And uh, we encourage you to take advantage of that. You can ask about it when you um, go to our website. And there's a way for you to get involved in that. I hope you will search it out and join the many others who are getting devotional content from Turning Point every day, Monday through Friday, and once on the weekend. Also, this uh, month we're featuring a book called uh, The God You May Not Know. It's the source book of our series on the attributes of God. This 263-page hardback book is yours for the asking when you send a gift to Turning Point of any size during the month of April. You can also inquire about the study guide and the CD packages that are available um, by going to our website, and there you will find all that you need. Well, I'm ready to jump in and get hooked up to some power today. How about you? This is Knowing a Powerful God. Here in Southern California... We're in the midst of May gray. But don't worry, we're about to enter June gloom. (laughs) And I have chosen such a time as this to talk to you for a few moments about the sun. The sun is a blinding star. It's 330,000 times as massive as the earth. About a million earths could fit inside of the sun takes eight minutes for a beam of light and heat to travel from the sun to the earth. Almost 93 million miles, it arrives here right on schedule in the exact proportion needed to sustain life on our planet. And for many of us, just a little bit of it shows up in May and June. The temperature at the surface of the sun is 10,000 degrees Fahrenheit. And scientists believe the temperature at the core of the sun may reach 27 million degrees. It never shuts down, though it may occasionally flare up. The sun is essentially a gaseous ball of continuously occurring nuclear explosions. 
radiating its energy uniformly in all directions throughout the solar system except in California in May and in June. (laughs) Every second, the sun produces the same energy as about one trillion, one megaton bombs. To put it in tangible terms, in one second, our sun can produce enough energy to power human civilization for 500,000 years. Imagine if we could collect it and use it all. Furthermore, the sun has enough nuclear fuel to burn for another five billion years. And yet the sun is only one medium-sized star in a universe filled with trillions of others. Astronomers estimate there are between 100 billion and 400 billion stars in our galaxy And based on images from the Hubble Space Telescope, there may be an additional one trillion galaxies in the universe. It's so overwhelmingly massive, it's hard to wrap your mind around it. Think of all the energy radiated from those stars and ask yourself, where did this energy come from? What source of power could so animate the universe Who wired the cosmos with enough voltage to keep it glowing and burning and spinning and functioning to the limits of human observation or imagination and to a seemingly endless duration? Who did it? Where did it come from? The Bible says, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power and the glory the victory and the majesty for all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. And Psalm 147 verse 5 says, Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding is infinite. And the choirs of heaven sing it this way, Alleluia, salvation and glory and honor and power belong to our God. It is the infinite power of God that fuels the universe. Only God's infinite power can so effortlessly keep the universe humming and crackling with energy. A.W. Tozier once wrote these words. He said, since he has at his command all the power in the universe... The Lord God omnipotent can do anything as easily as anything else. All his acts are done without effort. He expends no energy that must be replenished. Just think of all that I've told you about the sun and the galaxies and the stars. All of that energy is resident in the Lord God Almighty. He is the source of all power, you will say, Pastor, I don't understand that, and I don't either. But I know it's true, and the Bible describes it. And while we can't understand it, we can appreciate it, and we can apply it to our own lives. So today I want to just take you on this little journey. First of all, with a bit of an explanation of God's power in terms that we can understand. First of all, God can do all things. Revelation 19.6 says, And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters, as the sound of mighty thunderings, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. 
The Bible uses a unique word to describe God. God is omnipotent. What does that mean? Omnipotent means all-powerful. Omni, O-M-N-I, is a biblical term which means all. And we can figure out potent. Potent means power. So omnipotent means all power. George Frederick Handel incorporated that into his Hallelujah Chorus of his soul-stirring oratorio, The Messiah. And the words are so electrifying, we cannot listen to them sitting down. We have to stand up when we sing about the Lord God omnipotent. Newer translations of the Bible don't use that term. They refer to this as the Almighty God. Omnipotent God, the Almighty God. If I have a favorite term for God, I think that's it. I like to refer to him as Almighty God. Sometimes you hear that in a swear phrase, but it's not a swear phrase, it's a worship phrase. He's God Almighty. He's God Omnipotent. The Old Testament refers to him this way. The Old Testament calls God El Shaddai, which means God Almighty. In this series that we're doing on what we call the attributes of God or the characteristics of God, most of the research that's been done on that from the Bible, what the Bible says about it, books that were written about it, almost all of them are very, very old. There aren't any new, really relevant books on the attributes of God that I'm aware of. But there was this guy who wrote about the attributes of God back in the 1600s. His name was Stephen Charnack. And this is what he said. He said, the power of God is that ability and strength whereby he can bring to pass whatsoever he pleases, whatsoever his infinite wisdom can direct, and whatsoever the infinite purity of his will can resolve. From the first verses in Genesis all the way through the last page of Revelation, when we read about the throne of God in New Jerusalem, our attention is directed to God's omnipotent, all-powerful, almighty, sovereign power. He can do all things. There isn't anything you can think of that God can't do. Number two, nothing is too hard for God. Luke one thirty seven says, with God, nothing will be impossible. Psalm 89.6 says, for who in the heavens can be compared to the Lord? Who among the sons of the mighty can be likened to the Lord? Daniel says, all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing but God does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can restrain his hand or say to him, what have you done? In other words, God is so powerful that no one can stop him. No one can even ask him, what are you doing? There is nothing outside the realm of God's power. And since he has all the power in the universe at his command, he can do whatever he chooses. And he does one thing as easily as he does another. Tozier indicates that nothing is harder for God than anything else. He does everything with the same amount of ease. Now that's challenging to us. That's challenging for our finite minds to grasp because we have degrees of difficulty in what we do. Taking a tissue from a box is easier than opening a sealed jar. Have you ever had your wife come and give you a bottle of pickles or something and say, I can't open this, can you open this for me? 
and hopefully you're still able to do it because it's a man thing. If you can't open that jar, it's a moment of discouragement for you. (laughs) But God has no degrees of difficulty. He does everything with equal ease. He is able. He holds omnipotent energy in his hand. The patriarch Job said it this way, I know that you can do everything and that there is no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. And Jeremiah prayed, Oh, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. Abraham and Sarah learned this lesson when the Lord promised them a child in their old age. And you remember, Sarah was past the age of childbearing. She was pushing 100. And she laughed at the news. And the Lord God said, Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Is anything too hard for the Lord? The Lord Jesus echoes this truth in the New Testament. He's discussing the difficulty of getting people into heaven. And he says, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. With men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. God can do all things, and nothing is too hard for God. Number three, God never gets tired. Are you tired? Don't ask me about that. I'm tired. Aren't you glad God doesn't do that to us? God never gets tired. Isaiah 40, 28 says, Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. It's so hard for us to comprehend God, is it not? God never gets tired. That brings me to the fourth thing. God can do all things. Nothing is too hard for God. Never does God get tired. And here's one that's kind of interesting. It's a question. Is there anything God cannot do? I've already said God can do all things, but I'm going to ask the question again. This is not double speak, nor am I trying to confuse you, but I want you to understand something that if you don't understand, somebody will stick it to you someday in a discussion. Whenever you get around young people, especially college kids who are home from their first semester at the university, these are the kind of questions that they ask you. Questions like this one. Can God make a rock that is so heavy he can't pick it up? Everybody go, hmm, hmm. Scholars love those kind of questions because there isn't really any logical way to discuss it. It's a perplexing question for some people, but not for people who know God. Questions like these are flawed. They're logically inconsistent. It's like asking if God can make a square circle. There isn't anything like that, and the questions are self-refuting and irrational. Whatever God does in the exercise of his power is consistent with who he is as a person. For example, Titus chapter 1 verse 2 says, here's something God cannot do. God cannot lie. Why can't he lie? If he can do all things, why can't he lie? Because it's against the nature of God, and God never does anything against his nature. In that passage, the apostle Paul wrote that he was laboring for Christ in hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. God cannot lie because doing so would be inconsistent with his nature. 
Here's another one, 2 Timothy 2.13. Paul said that God cannot deny himself. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. This is a really encouraging truth. What this truth says is, if you were God the Father and somebody treated you like you treat God, you would probably want to say, that's it, I'm done with you. You have been so unfaithful to me, I'm not going to be faithful to you. But the Bible says, even when we are not faithful to God, God is faithful to us. He cannot do anything else but be faithful to us. It's impossible for God not to be faithful because faithfulness is a part of his nature. And God cannot be faithless. One more. The epistle of James tells us that God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone else. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. God is immune from temptation because he's holy. He is beyond temptation's lure, and he himself will never tempt us toward evil. He may test us to make us better, but he will never tempt us to make us worse. The Bible says God is omnipotent, but his omnipotence is guided by his nature, and it is therefore impossible for God to lie, impossible for God to deny himself, and impossible for God to be tempted by evil or tempt anyone else with evil. There are some things... God cannot do. He can do all things, but he cannot do those things with violate who he is. The explanation of God's power. Let me talk with you for just a moment about the evidence of his power. How do we know that God is so powerful? I mean, if we were going to appear before a jury and convince them of the power of God, What evidence would we bring? Well, let me tell you something. The evidence is just as wide as the universe and just as limitless as the stars and the universe itself and the galaxies. There's no way you could ever present all the evidence for the power of God. So it would take you forever. So I'm going to mention four. Four evidences of the power of God. First of all, the evidence of God's power in creation. Here's what Romans says. What may be known about God is plain. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made. How do we know God is powerful? When we study creation, we see the power of God. As I look at this and remember what the scripture says, I am genuinely surprised to see how many passages speak of this. According to Genesis 1, God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and it was so. And God said, let the dry land appear, and it appeared. And God said, let the earth bring forth grass, and the grass appeared, and he said, Let us make man in our image, and he did. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. God spoke, and the world came into being. I know the evolutionists don't like this truth, but it doesn't matter. One of these days, they'll get it right. But the Bible says God created the heavens and the earth. Argue with it if you want, Believe it or not, you cannot mess with the truth. 
The world is the world that God spoke into being. Frankly, as hard as it is to believe that, that makes a whole lot more sense to me than the modern explanations that I read about in the evolutionary documents. His power was conveyed to build this world by the simple syllables of his speaking. Psalm says it this way, by the word of the Lord the heavens were made and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. He spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. I recently came across this picturesque perspective from the pen of William Law, an 18th century English clergyman. He said, what an immense workman is God. In miniature as well as in the great. With one hand, he is making a ring of 100,000 miles in diameter to revolve around a planet like Saturn. And with the other hand, he's forming a tooth in the ray of the feather of a hummingbird or a point in the claw of the foot of a microscopic insect. With one hand, he's doing the great, and with other, he's dealing with the miniature But in all, he's showing his power. He is the great almighty God. And with his creation, he proves his power. And then there is his preservation. How many of you know that this world is held together by the power of God? Isaiah 40, 26 says, Lift up your eyes on high. See who has created these things who brings out their host by number and calls us all by name. By the greatness of his might and the strength of his power, not one is missing. Almighty God presides over the world, and through his power, the world continues to function according to the way in which he created it. Jeremiah says, when he thunders, the waters in heavens roar. He makes clouds rise from the ends of the earth, He sends lightning and the rain and brings out the wind from its storehouse. So ladies and gentlemen, what would happen if for a single moment Almighty God would withdraw his hand from the universe? It would fly off into oblivion and chaos. It would collapse like a building imploding. The God who created the universe is the one, according to the New Testament, in whom all things consist, which means he is the glue that holds it all together. Can you imagine? God holds the whole world together by his power. And you know what that means to you and me? If God can hold the world together, I think he can probably hold you together. Isaiah said, even to your old age, oh, do I love this. Even to your old age and gray hairs, I am he. I am he who will sustain you. I have made you, and I will carry you. I will sustain you, and I will rescue you. Isaiah said, even when you're getting old and you get gray hair, Almighty God is still holding you together. How do you know he can do it? He holds the whole world together. He can handle you, and he can handle me. How encouraging is it to reflect on the power of God? Well, we'll do it one more time tomorrow because tomorrow's part two of Knowing a Powerful God. I hope you'll join us as we finish up our discussion of this attribute of the Almighty. We have all of this material chronicled and organized, and it's in a book. 
a 263-page book with 12 chapters that feature a chapter on each of the attributes we're discussing. The study guide goes along with it, enables you to use this material in a discussion format in a small group or a Sunday school class or maybe just a family discussion. The book is yours for a gift of any size to Turning Point during the month of April. When you send a gift of any size, all you have to do is ask for the book. Just say, please send me the book about knowing God, and we'll have it in the mail to you before you know it. And the study guide and the CD packages are available from davidsjeremiah.org. That's our website. You go there, and there will be a, a button for you to click on so you can order this material sent right to your home. What a great opportunity to set aside some time with your friends and meditate upon the character of God. It will do you good in this changing environment, in this craziness that we're facing, to know that the God you serve is available. He hasn't changed. His promises are secure. You can trust Him. You can believe in Him. You can hold on to Him because He's holding on to you. And we're learning that as we go through these attributes together. So uh, tomorrow will be part two of Knowing a Powerful God. I hope you will be sure to join us for the second half of this discussion. Till then, this is David Jeremiah. Thank you for joining us. Don't forget to be with us in Boise, Idaho. All kinds of information available from our website about that event. And uh, we'll be right here tomorrow when you turn on this particular station. We'll be waiting for you for the next edition of Turning Point. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's series, The God You May Not Know, please visit our website. There you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected, our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio, or call us at 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's book, The God You May Not Know, and take the journey from knowing about God to knowing God. This helpful book is yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James Versions, with notes and articles from Dr. Jeremiah's decades of study. Get all the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, The God You May Not Know, on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Do you long to know God better? In his book, The God You May Not Know, Pastor David Jeremiah walks readers through how to develop intimacy with God, discover his character, and encounter God's holiness. For a gift of any amount to Turning Point, you'll receive this inspiring book. Gifts of $55 or more will receive The Knowing Set, and gifts of $75 or more will receive The God You May Not Know Set. Learn more at davidjeremiah.ca. If you're looking to enhance your personal or group Bible study, look no further than the Jeremiah Bible Study Series. In each volume, Dr. David Jeremiah helps you understand what the Bible says and how to apply it. Along the way, you will gain insights into the text, identify key themes, and be challenged to apply the truth found in Scripture to your life. Get your copy today. Learn more at davidjeremiah.ca study. That's davidjeremiah.ca study. Thomas Jefferson created a book about Jesus by cutting all of Jesus' moral teachings out of the four Gospels and pasting them on clean pages, a project which came to be called the Jefferson Bible. 
He included no passages dealing with miracles, the supernatural, or the divine. Here are the last words of Thomas Jefferson's Bible. There laid they Jesus and rolled a great stone to the door of the tomb and departed. For Thomas Jefferson, Jesus' life ended with his death. But for the writers of all four Gospels, Jesus was raised from the dead and ascended to heaven, from whence he will come again. This is David Jeremiah, encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's Supernatural Bible on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.